Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 103 of In the Huddle on Can You Dig Sports Radio. And we are here today on this Tuesday breaking down the hottest topics in sports. There is so much going on. We have so many fun topics that we're going to be getting into today. A little bit of NFL, a little bit of NBA. I am one of your co-hosts, Zach Crow, along with my guy, The Real Will. And this is going to be a phenomenal show because there is a lot to get into during this time of year. We have the NBA playoffs. We have a lot of news going on in the NFL with the season only about two, three months away, right before we started uh, on air for today's show. Will and I were talking about just how soon football will be creeping in on us, approaching, and uh, we know that there's nothing better than the NFL. So with that being said, I wanted to introduce my co-host for today's show, my guy, The Real Will. What it do? What it do, everybody? This is another episode of In the Huddle Sports Radio, episode 103, our second episode on Can You Dig It? Sports Radio. We kicked it off yesterday. We had a good show. The reviews was great. I, you know, I'm happy that everybody enjoyed the content that they heard. But it's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. We're going to have some hot takes. We're going to have some great shows. And, man, I'm just ready to get this show started. 1833-RADIO-BX is the request line that you're going to call to get in the huddle, to get in on the show, to let your takes be heard on this phone and on this mic and on this station. Zach, I'm just about ready to go. I don't even want to waste no more time. I'm in my prime. Let's go. Absolutely, my guy. And once again, we just have so many things to discuss today. So let's start it off. The NBA playoffs, the second round in full swing last night as the Los Angeles Clippers tie their series with the Utah Jazz 2-2 two to two as they win game four by a final score of 118 to 104 over Utah. And Lil, I'm going to throw this one over to you because you are the guy that not only picked the Clippers to win this series but the guy that picked the Clippers to come out of the West the last time we spoke about this topic so I'm gonna let you start this one off yeah my biggest takeaway from last night's game is that the Clippers can win this series if they want to win it they will win it if they want to win it and the reason why I say it in that fashion is because let's face it the Clippers got depth they can switch on the wings they got so many guys that can switch on the wings they can defend at a high level they can score at a high level but I noticed in some games, the Clippers say, you know what? I'm a little bit lazy today. I'm not going to defend. We saw it in the last series when Luka was taking these dudes to the ball hall and scoring all them points that he did. And you be like, yo, where's Kawhi Lennon? Isn't he a top three player defensively in the NBA, arguably number one? Where is Paul George? Can he defend? And Luka was cooking them up. And then in the later parts of the series, when they had to try to tie the series up and win the series, you saw them double team and Luka getting the ball out of his hands and they basically won that game when they decided to show up defensively so the first two games I felt they was a little bit lackadaisical they allowed Donovan Mitchell to cook them up and now that they show some type of effort it's not even close the roster is far superior than the Jazz roster when you look at it the Jazz they basically have two guys I'll say that can really get their own bucket on a consistent basis right which is Donovan Mitchell and maybe you can even argue Jordan Clarkson off the bench could get his bucket, right? But what is Woody Gobert doing? Other than the rebounds and everything that we know he could do, the blocks and everything, these other guys not setting up Woody Gobert, giving him easy shots, post-ups and everything, you know? So I think the Clippers showed yesterday, if they want to win, they can win. We all know what Kawhi Leonard could do. 
Paul George, oh, I forgot. He's still an elite player. You know, when he wants to be. Dropping 31 last night. And he dropped 30-something the day before. The game before. So, when Paul George shows up, when the defense shows up, when the Clippers shows up, we all know they can play the small ball and still be physical. They can win the series easily. Yeah, so all really good points right there. But my number one takeaway from the game last night is that the Utah Jazz just looked like they were out of gas. Donovan Mitchell did not look 100% healthy, and I'm not trying to use it as an excuse. The Clippers do deserve a lot of credit for their uh, performance the last two games. Kawhi Leonard balled out, Paul George balled out. But the series is tied 2-2 right now. Each team has held home court. And in games one and two, I think that the Clippers played okay, and the Jazz didn't even play that well. And still, Utah found a way to win. Now, in games three and four, the Clippers just ran the Jazz off the floor. They deserve credit for that. Now, at the beginning of the series, I said on this show that I have a hard time believing that the Clippers, as well as they've played the last two games, I just think they are a fragile, fragile team. As much as I love Kawhi Leonard, Will, I'm going to throw a, a, a hot take by you, and I'm curious for your opinion by this. Kyrie Irving is a player that is in the NBA media a lot. And we know why, based on his bipolar mood and how he affects his team. You know, one at one moment, he's, you know, the best, looking like one of the best players in the world. But at the same time, he's uh, talking to the media about, you know, uh, everything besides basketball. And Kyrie gets a lot of attention because he is in the news a lot and his he makes his voice known. Kawhi Leonard is the opposite. He is just so quiet that you never really hear about him in the media. And everyone just thinks he's funny because of his funny laugh. And he had that sick dunk last night. And then after the game, he's asked about it. And he's like, oh, uh, I don't really know what the reaction was on social media. Because, uh, you know, you know how Kawhi is. And I think everyone likes to joke around about that. But, bro, like, this guy is good enough to be one of the three best basketball players in the world. We've seen him take over series before. But for some reason, he doesn't have that Jordan gene. He doesn't have that LeBron gene. And to be honest, I'm not really thinking that we're going to see it with him in a Clipper uniform in this series until he wins a game in Utah. And I think that the take is Kawhi Leonard. Not many people like to throw him in that same conversation as Kyrie Irving because his personality is so quiet. But at the same time, he's a good enough player to be a real leader and take over that team. We've seen him do it before. So as you said, the Jazz have two players that can get a bucket. That has been true the last two games. So if that is true, there's really no excuse for the Clippers not to win the series. Donovan Mitchell isn't 100%. Mike Conley hasn't even played in a game yet. Who knows what his status is going into game five and seven. But at the same time, I still believe in the Jazz as a unit a tad more than the Clippers. With that being said, though, if I'm the Clippers, you're right. There is no reason why I shouldn't win this series. But at the same time, I just don't believe they will because I don't trust them. I mean, look, when you think about it, the Clippers probably could have won both of those two games on the road, right? And they showed some life. And the Clippers are a team that we know based on the series, the last series against the Mavs, that they are more than capable of going on the road and beating a team in their home floor. And they almost did. So let's say every team wins at, at home, right? And we get to game seven. I'm going to trust Kawhi Leonard because I know Kawhi Leonard been there before. 
that experience with Kawhi Leonard. I don't know what happened last year in the bubble. The bubble, I mean, look at Miami. Are we really going to count the bubble? Look at Miami. Nowhere to be found. Where are you? You know, the bubble, the Lakers, you know, it, the bubble was something. And anybody that say that the bubble didn't have an effect, effect on the, the championship is idiots because it clearly did. But at the same time, I'm going to trust Kawhi. Me personally, Zach, I told you from day one, this series was going to go seven. That's what I predicted. But I And I still believe that. But I believe Kawhi Leonard can take over a game. Yeah, you can argue he doesn't have the Jordan mentality as far as, you know, I'm going to take over this game. But I do think he takes over the game in different ways than Jordan has. You know, it's not always going to be about scoring, taking over the game. He can take over the game defensively. You're right. He's, in my opinion, he's so good. Like, bro, like, I think that he's one of the three to four best basketball players in the world based Top on three. everything. Top three. Yeah, yeah, based on everything you said. But at the same time, with that being said, it's almost like Aaron Rodgers, right? I hold him in such a high regard that it's even more disappointing that when the Clippers, as you said, didn't play that badly in games one and two, but what was the problem? Kawhi didn't play well at all. If he just would have given them something, the Clippers could be up 3-1 in the series, maybe even 4-0. And with that combined with the bubble last year, combined with the fact that, let's face it, once again, the Clippers just didn't take this regular season seriously. And even though the Jazz are super banged up right now, I just trust their home court advantage a tad more, and I trust their unity as a team when they face adversity a tad more. Paul George looked really good the last two games, but let's see how he does in Utah. And that's why I started to take, saying if the Clippers want to win the series, they will win it because I do believe they're more talented than the Jazz. And another thing, too, we all know talent does win in the NBA. I remember last week we did a show and you said everything I know about basketball is going to tell me that the Jazz is going to win this series. Really? I'm not sure about that. Because other than, when was the last time we seen a super team not win? You know, we saw the Warriors had they run. We saw um, Cleveland had oh, they run. You would really consider the Clippers a super team? Well, they have super talent. They might not be a super team, but they have talent. They have depth. They're a the more talented team. So what I mean is... When have we seen the most talented team, right? Because the super teams are the most talented teams. You can argue it's the same thing, basically. When have we not seen the most talented team win in the NBA? The only team I can remember most recently, other than the Raptors, due to injuries on the other side with the Warriors. I mean, come on. It was too big. They, they had... You think the Clippers are the most talented team left? Is that what you're saying? Like, with Brooklyn's yes. injuries? With Brooklyn injuries, the Clippers are the most talented team left in the NBA right now in the NBA playoffs. To be honest, dude, I, I just think that with Utah, like, they need Mike Conley healthy if they want to win the whole thing. And it, it's super unfortunate that he hasn't played a game in this Clippers series yet. And hopefully he'll play in game five. You really hope so if you're the Jazz. But at the same time, I think when you look at the Jazz, the reason why they don't get the same attention as the team like the Clippers is because for two reasons. One, even though they have some star power, they're just not really controversial. There, there's no real news with them that you really hear. You know, we just spent a couple minutes talking about Kawhi Leonard and how he doesn't really show up in, in you know, sometimes in big games. Like, Rudy Gobert, the biggest controversy he, he was in was the coronavirus, like, and Donovan Mitchell and their relationship. I'm sure that looks fine now. And they play in Utah, Salt Lake City, a place where, let's face it, no real road player likes to go. It's not a huge market. And when you look at the Clippers, like, yeah, they have Kawhi Leonard. He's one of the best players in the world. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, I think that the Clippers do get a lot of attention because 
the fact that they're in LA, the fact that Laker fans are afraid that they maybe one day could take over uh, LA as a possible, you know, possible the team of LA. I understand it's LA is going to be all Laker fans, but we saw that all of a sudden the Los Angeles Clippers, even when they were good, right, with Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan, like they were never really talked about. And then all of a sudden they get Kawhi Leonard in an attempt to take over LeBron and take over LA. And then Laker fans are acting like all scared that uh, the Clippers are all of a sudden, you know, maybe in their way. But at the same time, I think the Jazz, it's going to be a real interesting series. You know, maybe it goes seven. We'll see. Um, but I, the Clippers do deserve credit for how they've played the last two games. I want to make myself clear on that. Yes, sir. One eight three three radio bx is the request line to get into the show. Who do y'all think is going to win this series and why? Let us know. Speak to myself and Zach on the call. We are here for y'all. We are here for the people, by the people. And y'all know what we do. So moving on to the earlier game from last night, the Atlanta Hawks tie their series with the Philadelphia 76ers at two. And Joel Embiid admits that his knee was bothering him in the game four loss. He said, quote, I just didn't have the lift. So, Will, when I hear that quote, man, there are a couple things that come to mind. I think that if Joel Embiid played in 80 to 85% of the Sixers games this regular season, he could have had a legitimate case to win the MVP. He was that good. And when I watch this guy on the basketball floor, he is just so fun to watch. And he could take over games. And there's really no one else in the NBA like him. Like, he's a different kind of player, really, you know, than anyone. But at the same time, like, that just makes it even more frustrating when we hear news like this, that this guy just cannot stay healthy on a routine basis. And I think at this point in his career, this is what Joel Embiid is. And it's unfortunate because in game three, I'm not going to lie, Will, I was really impressed with what Philadelphia did. And I thought the series was over after game three. Embiid looked healthy. Philadelphia had different guys like Korkmaz and Fibel stepping up. Uh, I was really impressed what Philadelphia did in game three. And the Hawks, for me, last night, they were a pleasant surprise. I did not expect them to win that game. I thought they had a good chance of lying down with DeAndre Hunter. This is obviously a team that didn't necessarily expect to be here early in the season, but they stepped up. Trey Young is proving to be a legit star in this league. And I'm not going to lie to you, Will, like last night, even with Embiid and Ben Simmons on the floor, and I understand Embiid obviously didn't look 100% healthy. Like I was pretty confident that with three minutes left in the game, the Hawks were winning just because Trey Young was the best player on the floor. He had the game in his hands. He had the game in his control. Other guys like John Collins were stepping up, making clutch shots, and the Hawks deserve credit. Uh, can they win this series? I'm not sure. They have to win one more game in Philadelphia. They've already done it once, so maybe they can be able to do it again. Nate McMillan deserves a lot of credit for the position the Hawks were in when he took over, and now he has them two wins away uh, from a conference final. And I think the Hawks and their future in Atlanta is looking really good. But at the same time, like if you're Philadelphia, you're the number one seed in the East, man. You built this team around Embiid. And if you lose in either the second round or maybe even the conference finals, it may be time to get rid of Ben Simmons because when I watch this guy play, man, like I don't know if there's a more frustrating player in the league to watch. I talk about this all the time 
uh, I think right now in the NBA, we're seeing that kind of shift of the guard. And for me, there's six guys that come to mind. There's your, in no order, your Zions, your Tatums, Doncic, Moran. I would even throw Trey Young in that category. Donovan Mitchell as well, uh, guys like that. And there was a time when Ben Simmons was in that category to many people. But over the last two years, like, I just don't see his value to Philadelphia. I understand he's a great defender, but after a while, like, what is your ceiling with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid as your top two guys? I like Tobias Harris as a player. I like Philadelphia's role players, but I think they may be that piece away. And maybe Ben Simmons, this could be his last couple of days in Philadelphia. I got a lot of things to unpack here on both sides. But you mentioned Philadelphia, Ben Simmons, Embiid. I want to start there. I think that me personally, watching the Philadelphia 76ers in these playoffs, I feel like the role players are carrying this team. You know, your Seth Currys, you know, your Tobias Harris. Well, he even though he starts, but he's more like a dis- the surrounding cast to Ben Simmons and um Embiid. I think these guys are carrying what should be your two superstars on your team. You know, your two stars on your team. They're carrying these guys. And what's frustrating is we know Ben Simmons' defaults, and we know it's still going to be his defaults. He can't shoot free throws. He can't shoot. So he becomes a liability if he's the primary ball handler. Then when it gets to clutch time situations, you got to take him out because other teams are going to try to follow him and put him on the free throw line. Just like how we saw yesterday, he wasn't even on the last play. So your be- one of your best players is not even on the floor when, need- when you need him the most. So that's the situation. Now we get to Embiid, who is a top five player, in my opinion, top six player in the NBA, talented-wise, but has his big injury history. So it's very frustrating because every time I see Embiid go for a dunk or land, I'm holding my breath, literally. So anybody that want to have a debate with me about who would you rather have, Jokic or Embiid, clearly, if you want to bet your money on Embiid staying healthy, go right ahead. I'm <laughs> taking Jokic any time of the day because I want some, my guy, I want my best player to be on the floor when I need him the most. You know what I'm saying? So that's the situation that the 76ers are in. They two best players are unreliable. One, due to his lack of skill offensively. Another one, due to his injury history. So now you're in a situation where it's like, it's frustrating. And if you're Doc Rivers, you have to be frustrated. So so what that tells me real quick, what that tells me is that unless they win the NBA Finals this year, which I have a hard time believing that they are, then they have to get rid of at least one of those guys, right? Like, yeah, they're going to have to break it up. They're going to have to blow it up. You know, they definitely going to have to blow it up at some point. You can't keep running it back and getting bounced, you know, in the first round or the second round. You, you got to break it up at some point. But my thing here is, and I, I want to get back to that, but let me go over to the Hawks here and give them some chastising and some respect at the same time. The respect to them goes for coming back in the game. You know, they were down big in the game. They, they fought back. They played well. I thought that the, you know, I thought... Trey Young took over the game, was the best player on the floor last night. John Collins hit a clutch three-pointer after turning the ball over. Before that, you know, they played good. They battled back. They won that game at home. They took care of business, which you're supposed to do at home in the playoff game. But my worries and why I think the 76ers, despite the inconsistencies, is still going to win this series is because I look at game one where the Hawks was up, and that just left a bad taste in my mouth even though they won that game. It shows that they're young when it gets down to, you know, them them crazy clutch moments. You know, you see the turnovers. We saw the turnovers last night. You see the last play of the game. Shake Milton is coming full court. Nobody's pressuring him. 
all right, if you don't want to foul him, right, and send him to the line to shoot two and try to win by one, all right, that's one thing. But to have him literally come up the court, nobody defending him, he could have pulled up and shot a three. But I guess Doc Rivers had to play drawing up for Seth Curry, so that's why he didn't shoot it. But if Shake Milton wanted to, he could have literally pulled up easy three. All right, you, you tie the game, go to overtime. So it was little things like that, you know, little mistakes, little errors that I see when the games are close with the Hawks that I'm like, all right, their age is showing right now. And I think based on the way how this series is, 2-2, is going to be a, a, at least a game six. And I believe a game seven is the Hawks you going to show in crunch time. And I think it will. And that's why I still have the 76ers, despite everything I said before, winning this series. Well, let me ask you this. If, let's look at it from a, a Sixers perspective, right? If you're on, like, the Sixers coaching staff or if you're a Sixers fan, are you, like, super frustrated after that game last night? Because I kind of am, bro. Like, you had a chance to – as bad as Embiid and Simmons played, like, you're right. Their role players played really well and they really carried them. And you still didn't win that game. Like, it sucks. It's a wasted opportunity. And I agree. Like, I think right now, if you ask me, like, who's going to win, I would say Philly. But at the same time, like, if you would have asked me 24 hours ago, I would have said, yeah, I'm 85, 90% Philly wins yeah. this series. But now I'm, like, 55, 60%, 65, like, in that range. So I think the Hawks deserve credit. And, like, look, one thing I know about the Hawks, man, is I've said many times throughout the playoffs and even the regular season, like, oh, they're, they should just be happy to be here. Like, I expect them to lie down. Like, we both picked the Knicks to beat them, I'm pretty sure. We both, I, I don't know about you, I expected Philly to win last night and take a commanding lead in the series. And they've proven me wrong night in and night out. They deserve a lot of credit for that. Every time Bogdanovich shoots the ball, I think I think it's going in. Like, yeah. I, I don't know yeah. what that, <laughs> I don't know what that uh, guy uh, He's been had, having a hell of a year this I guess that's what happens when you leave the Sacramento Kings. But um, anyway, I think um, the Atlanta Hawks, like DeAndre Hunter got hurt. Like he was their best defender that really pressured Julius Randle in the Knicks series. And still the Hawks are finding a way to win with Cam Reddish out as well. Kevin Herter, upstate New York kid. He's playing some good basketball. So uh, look, the Hawks and Nate McMillan deserve a lot of credit. How far can they go though? Honestly, if Embiid and Simmons keep stinking up the joint, like there's no reason why the Hawks can't win, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah, like, like, yeah. like, if Embiid and Simmons are sticking up the joint, like, Trey Young is the best player on the floor, and we know that this guy can make shots in crunch time. He is phenomenal. Like, he is so fun to watch, and he deserves so much credit, man. He is becoming a star before our eyes. The Hawks gotta, they gotta make their shots. They depend, they rely heavily on the three pointers, you know, because Trey Young, we all know he spaces the floor. They rely on the snipers on the outside. You know, your Bundanovich, your Herder to shoot these threes, your loop, you know. But at the same time, that's my thing with the Hawks. They they are a team that if they're hot, they are hot. And if they're not, they are not. So <laughs> we're going to see if they're going to be hot when it counts the most going down the line. Absolutely. So you are listening to In the Huddle Sports Radio on Can You Dig Sports, the request line 1833-RADIO-BX. Moving on to topic number three, after starting the show with some NBA, let's get into some NFL for a bit. The Cleveland Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs, these are two teams that met in the playoffs last year in the second round. Kansas City ended up getting the win in the divisional round. Close game, we remember Patrick Mahomes got hurt. And the interesting thing about these two teams is that week one of this season, they will be matching up, so that will be a great way to start off the season. And Travis Kelsey, the starting tight end, 
for the Chiefs and also a Ohio native, Cincinnati Bearcat alum. He was spotted at the Cleveland Indians game this past weekend, and he was asked about the Cleveland Browns and where they stand to the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of the hierarchy of the AFC. And Travis Kelsey said that he thinks the Chiefs and the Browns are neck and neck entering the 2021 season. So, Will, I'll throw it over to you. How do you feel about Travis Kelsey's comments? I'm surprised he said it, but he's not wrong. I'm surprised he said it because you don't want to give that other team confidence. Like, oh, Travis Kelsey, one of the best players on the team, outside Patrick Mahomes, you can argue Tyreek Hill, however you want to slice it and dice it. He's saying that we are neck and neck. Wow, we should be confident. And guess what? We played in week one. Come right out the gate and punch them in the mouth and show them that we are here and we are ready to play and we are ready to compete for that Super Bowl. So I'm surprised he said that. But the reality is he's not lying. The Browns and the Chiefs are neck and neck. If you look at the Browns roster, they probably have the most talented roster in football, arguably above the Buccaneers or slightly below. It's that close to me. And you think about offense, their offense, right? It all depends on Baker Mayfield and what leap he is willing to take. Because last year, we all know I chastised a brother constantly, constantly. You would have thought he did something to me when I was younger. Like we had some beef, you know, or something like that. But I gave him his credit when I saw that playoff game because I showed, I thought he showed poise in that game. I thought he made all the right throws. He has a coach that is going to put him in great positions to make plays. And all he has to do is not mess it up. And I thought he did a good job in the playoffs of doing that. We saw what they did against the Steelers. Literally punched him right in the mouth from the opening gate on the road, won that game easily. And we saw what they did, how they was able to control the clock against the Kansas City, City Chiefs. A couple of balls, go, you know, don't go out the back of the end zone. We could be looking at a totally different game in that game. But I think the Browns, after last year, that confidence is going to kick in this year. And I think they have the formula to compete and beat the Kansas City Chiefs because they had that one-two running back punch in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. They can have, you know, a lot of these slant routes to Jarvis Landry up the middle of the football field to run that clock to keep Patrick Mahomes on the bench. OBJ, I heard, is looking good in practice. Okay, we'll see how that transfer on the football field. We still have yet to see that connection with him and Baker Mayfield, but we'll see if that progresses this year. The Browns should get better. Last year was the first year in a Kevin Skafansky system that they still made the divisional round in. So imagine year two, they should be much better than it was last year to start. Remember week one last year? They got trounced by the Baltimore Ravens week one. That didn't happen the second time, though. That game went in overtime, and Patrick Mah- I mean, Lamar Jackson had to come from taking a doo-doo to come and save the Ravens in that game. So I'm very high on the Browns this year. I like the offseason additions that they made, the drive moves that they made. I like picking up Jadavion Clowney, having him alongside Miles Garrett. The Browns are one of the special teams in the NFL this year. And even though I criticize him the last couple of years, you know as well as I do, we are not hesitant to admit when we were wrong about a team. The Browns are trending up, and Travis Kelsey's statement is absolutely correct. Wow, so a lot to digest. And it's funny, Will, because I remember as clear as day uh, stepping on this show and debating with you about Baker Mayfield and really how far he could carry the Browns. I will say this, bro. I think that Cleveland, what makes them so good is that they legit have the best offensive line in football. And that's where it starts. And when you have that, like, that is a great, great weapon to use. 
with their two running backs, that gives them the ability to run the ball. And you're right, like Baker Mayfield doesn't need to be spectacular in order for the Cleveland Browns to win games. My problem is this. I actually kind of agree with your old take that like, I just think Baker Mayfield, when he's your quarterback, like you have a ceiling. Like, I don't think he's bad. I think you could win the division with him. And I do think that Cleveland right now would be my pick to win the AFC North. But I don't know if I trust Baker Mayfield to beat Pat Mahomes in a playoff game. Because last year, like, I understand the Browns almost won that game and that fumble out of the end zone. If that doesn't happen, maybe Cleveland does win that game. But at the same time, I think Kansas City is very beatable. I do. I think right now, like, the AFC, as we said over the last couple weeks, like, it is as good of a conference right now as we've ever seen. And Cleveland is right in the in the conversation. I, I do believe that. But I don't know if I could see Baker Mayfield, a team being led by him, taking down a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, who individually can make so many plays. Now, I do think there are plenty of other teams in the AFC that can beat Kansas City. I, I want to make myself clear. I don't think they're this unbeatable unit. Um, but Cleveland specifically, we'll see week one. And in terms of Travis Kelsey's comments, like, I don't really like okay what else is he gonna say he's he's complimenting the team that almost beat kansas city in the playoffs like i don't really take it like with that much grain of salt like he's just complimenting the browns they're a very talented team but deep down i don't know if a team led by baker mayfield could beat a team led by pat Mahomes. well that's why you have to manage the game i think the browns could beat the chiefs because all baker mayfield has to do is manage the game and if the game gets down to a four-quarter job, you just got to job your fit, your team down the field and how to get a field goal or a touchdown, if that comes to that. But that's why I like the Browns because, I mean, you could try to outdo Patrick Mahomes. People talk about, oh, you have to outdo Patrick Mahomes. But it's either one, t- one team is going to win. So whoever has the ball last, in most cases, is going to win that game. As and we see, wait, they one... played the Raiders twice. Yeah, one other quick point I want to bring up. So Cleveland, right? I understand that when you look at their defense, like the names are really talented and they brought in Jadevian Clowney and they have Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and Grant Delpit, a kid that they spent a high draft pick on who got injured in camp last year. He's going to be back healthy this year. But like this defense, like numbers wise on the field last year, like it was, I would say middle of the pack to average. I want to see them take that leap. And until I see them do that, like, let's see what happens. I believe in Kevin Stefanski. I agree with you. I think he's the perfect coach for the Browns. I think he's one of the 10 best coaches in football. I think he was deserving of winning coach of the year last year. He did a phenomenal job of changing the culture. I also like what Cleveland did, taking away two of the Rams' key secondary members, uh, members, Hill and Johnson. So, like, their defense should be better, but we just haven't seen it yet. So, I think that in terms of Cleveland – they had a really nice year last year. But at the same time, Lil, let me throw this at you, bro. Look at who Cleveland beat in the regular season last year. It's going to take one minute, but I'm going to take a look at Cleveland's schedule last year. And if I remember correctly, they didn't really beat anyone that impressive. And if you remember, in the playoff game against Pittsburgh, both you and I weren't too confident in the Steelers uh, in, in that playoff game. So last year... These were the teams that Cleveland beat. They did finish 11-5, and five, and they deserve credit for that. But Cleveland beat Cincinnati. They beat Washington, who is a playoff team, but Washington did finish 7-9. and nine. Let's, not, you know, let's, not, let's not fool anyone there. They beat Dallas. They beat the Colts. That's a good win. They beat the Bengals. They beat the Texans, the Eagles, the Jaguars, the Titans. Two good wins. 
the Giants, the Steelers who rested all of their starters, and the Steelers' backups. So I think Cleveland is an appropriate pick to win the division, but I'm thinking if we're picking Cleveland to go to the Super Bowl, win the AFC, and possibly beat Kansas City, let's pump the brakes. Zach, you just backed yourself up in a corner that I don't even think you could fight your way out of right now. Number one, you just went and said that you think the Browns is going to win a division. So if that's true, does the schedule really matter when it comes to the playoffs? You know, no, 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 if they're going to win a division? Okay. No, 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 listen, okay. I, all I'm saying is that I think Cleveland's talent and their offensive line alone is good enough to win them the division I, and, and their head coach. I think that formation so, is good. So, so tell me, what, what does that right there have to do with the regular season schedule if they're going to win it anyway? I just think that if we're predicting Cleveland to beat Kansas City, like it seems you are, we have to think, okay, hold on. This team didn't even win their division last year. And what good team did they beat last year? Like, okay, they beat Tennessee, fine. But Tennessee, they were up like, what, 41 to 13 in that game? And the Titans almost came back and won? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just I just don't know if I trust Baker Mayfield to win a big game, bro. Like, like I'm sorry. I mean, sorry. their schedule is not that bad this year either. I mean, I'm solid starting up. But I have a tough time believing that they could win the Super Bowl or go or come out of the AFC or even beat Kansas City because I still haven't seen them beat like three, four, five good teams yet. Like you know what I'm, I'm saying? Like their regular, regular their schedule last year was a joke, and they took advantage of it. They deserve credit for yeah. that. They won the games that they were supposed to win. Of course, of course, and that's of what course. you got to do. Of course, and, and they deserve exactly. all the credit in the world for that. They, they, of course, their Cleveland didn't make the playoffs in all these years. Of course, they deserve a lot of credit for that. And you know, I could argue they won some games they wasn't. Going on the road against the Titans. Now, I know the Titans have a bad defense, but I picked the Titans to win that game. They went over there, punched them right in the mouth, dropped 40 on their heads. So the Browns are a team that I feel like we are not giving them enough credit because, yeah, they take advantage of the easier schedules that they seem to get every year for some reason. I don't know. I guess the NFL want to make the Browns relevant, right, after all them years of being irrelevant. So the schedule guy said, you know what, I'm going to save y'all. But at the same time, in some big high-profile games, they are like 50-50 with me. Sometimes they don't show up in them, and sometimes they do and surprise some people, as we saw last year, I believe. You know, even in that loss against KC, a high-profile game, they, they, sh- really they, they should have won. No, but if Patrick Mahomes stays healthy, like if he he got knocked out with a concussion midway through the third quarter, even then, if he's healthy, that game is the that game is about the touchdown that should have been a touchdown that Higgins should have had, but the ball went out the end zone. The game still points. I I just the game still wouldn't have been close. Like like if Cleveland's defense shows me that they could be like like the Rams or like a top five defense in the league, okay, it's a different story. But I just haven't seen it yet, you know. We'll see what happens. I like the offensive line. I think they control. They can control the game. They can control the trenches, and they can run the football. And all Baker Mayfield has to do is not be Superman. Just make the right throws, and I think they will be able to compete with Kansas City. I'm not gonna go as far as saying they're gonna beat them. I don't know. I would have to see how this year shakes out. But you think? But you, I but you think really think like okay? So basically, what I'm saying. So Travis Kelsey, like read his comments again. Neck and neck entering the 2021 season. So basically, what he's saying is that if the Browns and the Chiefs play on a neutral field, you really think that's a coin flip game? Like, you're really uh, willing to flip yes. the coin? I'm 50, really, 50, I'll go with the Chiefs today. Today, right? Because I want to see how Baker Mayfield looks, you know, at the progression of next year, doing these games. But today, I will go with the Chiefs. 
but I still think it will be a touchdown. I don't think the Chiefs will. No, but you know, but, no, but that's they, not that's not what Travis Kelsey said. Travis Kelsey well, he said, said neck and neck, so neck and neck means you have a chance. It's a, a, a flip of the coin. So All right, I, I will pick the Chiefs, but I won't be surprised if the Browns win. Okay, I got you. I got Huddle Sports Radio on Can You Dig Sports? The request line one eight three three Radio BX. as we stay in the NFL. As once again, we mentioned it earlier in the show, the season seems to be creeping us up on us before we know it as OTAs are in full swing. Uh, training camp will be here before you know it. And Will, to continue the NFL talk in terms of the NFL hierarchy, in terms of the teams that we could possibly uh, think could go to the Super Bowl early in the year, let's talk about some teams that could possibly and could po- uh, could possibly make and could possibly miss the playoffs and the debate that we're going to be having here on topic number four. Who is the first team that comes to mind that missed the playoffs in 2020 that you expect to make it in 2021, and then vice versa? Who is the team that made it in 2020 that you expect to miss? in 2021 and i'll start off with that second question and then i'll throw it over to you and then we'll go over to the second question so the first question we'll start off with is which team that made the playoffs in 2020 do you expect to miss the playoffs in 2021 and the team that i will answer that question with is the pittsburgh steelers and i will say more confidently than anyone that I was on the Steelers bandwagon last year. I thought going into the season that the Steelers had a chance to have the best defense in football. Unfortunately, Bud Dupree, Devin Bush couldn't stay healthy, and the whole thing fell apart from there. Ben Roethlisberger showed his true colors. He showed that at this stage in his career, I'm just not sure if he could really win big football games anymore. I don't believe in Mike Tomlin as a head football coach. Anyone who has listened to the show long enough knows that. And their division is tough. I think Cleveland is better. I think Baltimore is better. And if Pittsburgh isn't careful, watch out for Cincinnati. I know Joe Burrow is coming back from an injury, but at least the Bengals have a young, exciting quarterback that they can hopefully build their team around. I didn't love the Najee Harris Harris pick for the Steelers as well. I understand they had trouble running football last year. But when I look at the Steelers team, I didn't believe that they were in a position to win. And you know how uh, I feel about picking running backs in the first round when you have a bunch of holes on your team. They lost Bud Dupree as well. Their secondary, as much as I love Megan Fitzpatrick, struggled a little bit throughout last season as well. I think the AFC is too tough. I think the Steelers' window is closing before our eyes. They are my pick to be the team that made the playoffs in 2020 that will miss in 2021. I like that pick. I think that I would have went with that too. But I'm not going to pick the same team because I want to add more dialogue here. So I'm going to go none other than the NFC West. I'm going to say the Seattle Seahawks will not make the playoffs this year. And we kind of hinted at it a little bit in our last show when we talked about Russell Wilson and his comments about saying that I didn't want to be traded even though the world know that your agent had the co-signing from you to release those teams to the public, you know? So let's make that clear. But I really think, and I hinted to it last week, I mean yesterday, that there's been a, an environment in Seattle that I felt over the years has not been family-oriented and the higher-ups and the quarterback has not been on the same page, you know? And I we've seen it with Sherman... When the Legion of Doom was, you know, the Legion of Doom and it was 
at the peak of their dynasty or trying to become a dynasty. And then Russell Wilson, we all know that play. Marshawn Lynch gave him the ball on the one-yard line. They didn't. That caused a division amongst that team. The team decided that Russell Wilson is our prince, the prince of Egypt, the prince of Seattle. So we're going to make him that. And we're going to, you know, play to him instead of playing to the defense. So they chose him over the defense, basically. And um, then even after that, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson seem to not be on the same page. Because Russell Wilson wants even more. He wants the ball in his hands. Let Russ cook. Let Russ cook. But at the end of the day, Pete Carroll wants to run the football <laughs> and make the game easier for Russell Wilson. So these are two guys that I believe was not on the same page. And he can go up in the media and say, I ain't say this. Oh, I love being here. We, I can see the phony in that brother's face when he said that. Literally. at the well, it's fun. Before you continue, I just want to mention, it's funny how quickly... I don't think the ties have changed uh, so quickly between you and a player uh, as quickly as Russell Wilson. You remember yes, a, yes. Couple short weeks ago, or a couple short months ago when you were out here on this show, MVP, but I'm finally happy that you turned over to the dark side in terms of the media conspiracy theory, giving him the MVP in week two. What were we doing? See, at that time, I believed in Russ. But I, and I still do believe in Russ, Zach. This has nothing to do with his skills. The brother throws one of the best deep balls in the league. I believe in him as a talent. I, I'm not even going to take nothing away from him. He could win MVP this year if he wanted to, but I don't think that's going to happen. But he could. He has that talent. I just don't like his personality lately and how he's been handling certain situations. You know, I could like your talent, but not like the way how you're going about certain businesses, that you're going about it, the way how you're going about it. And I, I don't like the way how Russell Wilson is. And I think that's going to translate on the football field this year. That little thing that went on this year, I think is going to translate. Not to mention that you got the Rams now who's been there before. Yeah, they beat you, obviously, last year. But with Wofford, not with Matthew Stafford, who's a clear better quarterback than this cat. You know what I'm saying? You got a better quarterback on the Rams. I predict they're going to win the division. And the 49ers last year, I'm just going to say the injury bug, man. It was the injury bug. The injuries was not so good to them. And that's why it made it a little bit easier for you to win that division. But they're here and they're going to compete. And I think they're going to come in second place. And now you got the Cardinals. Who I believe the Seattle Seahawks and the Cardinals is like a seesaw. It's going to be 50-50, you know? So I do believe Seattle's probably going to lose at least four division games this year. At least four division games this year. And I believe they're going to miss the playoffs. I agree, man. We are on the same page with both of our teams. Uh, but Seattle, absolutely uh, in the conversation for me. But let's move on to the second part of this question. Who is the team that missed the playoffs last year that we think is going to make it this year? And we know, Will, that history tells us uh, one of the reasons why we love the NFL so much is that every year it seems like a team legit just comes out of nowhere to make the playoffs that we didn't expect uh, but for me, I'm going with the team that just barely missed the playoffs last year, and that's the Miami Dolphins. They spent their two first-round picks on Jalen Waddell and Jalen Phillips, and I say this all the time when it comes to Jalen Waddell, right? Devontae Smith was a great player who deserved the Heisman Trophy. He had probably the best season I've ever seen from one college football wide receiver. But before Jalen Waddell got hurt, this guy was clearly the better pro prospect. Plus, Tua is obviously familiar throwing the ball to him. And I think the Tua Tagovailoa obituary has been written a little bit early by some football fans. And by I you, too. No, no, <laughs> I'm going to get into it. Don't worry. 
Last year, I just wanted to make myself clear. I told the Dolphins, if they evaluate Zach Wilson or if they evaluate Justin Fields, and if they really deep down think that he's better than Tua, pick him. I have no problem doing that. But obviously, they didn't do that. They decided to take Jalen Waddle. So what that said to me is that, okay, Tua had this hip injury last year, and that had many doctors and many medical people saying, like, this guy may just be out for the whole season in 2020. Just take the year off. And he did play, and, like, he didn't look great all the time. I get it. But at the end of the day, he did go 6-3. and three. He had 11 touchdowns compared to five picks. And I'm not saying that's getting you into the Hall of Fame after a year like that. But when you're a rookie, and not many people even expected you to play to begin with, and let's also face the fact that Brian Flores refused to take the training wheels off. We've seen... To, uh, when he was at Alabama, make some phenomenal throws, going deep out of the shotgun, running all across the field. He didn't do that with Miami. Let's see if Brian Flores could unleash that quarterback who was dropping dimes his whole Alabama career, and I think he will because he'll be healthier. Tua wasn't great last year, but at the end of the day, he did throw more touchdowns than picks, did go 6-2, and two, and that's good for a guy that was less than 100%. Now he's got better weapons with the addition of Will Fuller and Waddle. Miami also improved their offensive line. And more importantly, like, I think the Dolphins have the most underrated defense in the NFL. No one pays attention to how good they are because they don't really have a name. I understand Xavier Howard was in the top three in defensive player of the year last year, but I feel like if you ask your even casual football fan, they may, may not even know who that is. And Brian Flores is the one coach from the Bill Belichick tree that I believe in. He is the one coach from the Bill Belichick tree that I think could really translate his skills that he used as a defensive coordinator. We saw what he did to the Rams in that Super Bowl. I've never seen Sean McVay look that lost in a game ever. And I believe in him as a head coach. I don't think Tua even needs to do that much for this team to succeed. I believe in Miami. I really do. The one thing I like about this show is that things are not choreographed here. If y'all watch this show, y'all will, know, y'all will learn over time that our knowledge, myself and Zach, in the sport is, is not, we knowledgeable. And it's there. It's clear for the taking. I know some people that write their takes down. You know, I really do. I know some people like that. Yo, I'm going to write these takes down. I'm going to speak from the computer. We don't do that. Because the reason why I want to bring that up is because the last one that we did about the team that made it, that didn't make it, I had one team going into the, to the take, then I switch on the fly. And I'm doing the same thing here again. I'm switching on the fly and watch me deliver this point the way how I'm going to deliver it. I'm going to go with the Patriots. I think the Patriots, I'm going to keep it in the same division with you, Zach. Blow for blow. We in the same division, the AFC East here. I'm going to go with the New England Patriots to make the playoffs because they didn't make it last year. And the reason why is because I, I feel it, bro. Bill Belichick, he sat there. He saw Tom Brady win his championship without him. And all that, oh, Brady was a Patriot away, and I'm a Brady fan. So I believe, you know, Tom Brady had a lot to do with it. But at the end of the day, the master had to teach the student for the student to learn. And I believe... Bill Belichick is still that great coach. He went on a, a crazy shopping spree during NFL free agency, upgraded that roster, getting Nelson Aguilar, getting his two tight ends, one of the two tight end sets. We all know how dangerous the Patriots was with two tight ends, with Aaron Hernandez before he got into his thing, and Rob Gankowski. You know, we know how dangerous those two tight end sets were in New England, and we know the mind of Josh McDaniels and what he can do, how he can switch those two tight ends. And now you just have to get the quarterback right. 
I think Cam Newton, I do believe he's going to win that starting job. I do believe. I think that's being more clear. Even though Mac Jones is looking good, I think Bill Belichick is going to start Cam Newton. Last year was not a fair shake. We saw Cam Newton put up 340-something yards. Yes, I know, on that Seattle terrible defense last year. But he looked good. Then COVID happened. And ever since COVID happened, they wasn't the same ever since. And that was the case in a lot of quarterbacks' development in new places, whether they were rookies or not, going into new situations. Tom Brady struggled with the Buccaneers in the beginning. We have to give Cam Newton some leeway, especially considering the fact he just came right off of injury and having to learn due to COVID. So give Cam Newton a full year to learn a very complex system of Josh McDaniels, one of the hardest systems to learn. We're not considering that. Give him another year. See what he can do with way more help. All right, not throwing the Jacoby and Myers, his number one wide receiver. You have two tight ends. And I'm not even going to put all the love into the offense. I'm a defensive guy too. I know defense, not just offense. What about the underrated pickup of Kyle Van Noy coming back onto the roster? The guys that opted out. Some of these guys are coming back. You still got Stephon Gilmore, and I know some shaky business going on with that contract, but if he comes back, he's still the best cornerback in the league. So I think the Patriots, with that experience on top of that, of being there, winning Super Bowls, I think that's going to override the Dolphins, and I do believe that they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win the division. I think that's going to be Buffalo. I think Buffalo's going to win the division, but I think the second team coming out of the AFC East is going to be no other than the New England Patriots. It's funny. I actually agree with you. I actually think that with um, this new 17 playoff system we saw last year, uh, the first year of it, I think that there's a good chance we see three teams of the, of the AFC East. Absolutely. And the Jets are getting better, too. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team, but I think this division, all four teams are really going in the right direction. I do think, as I told you a couple weeks ago when we debated the, the best uh, quarterback uh, battle, I think deep down Bill Belichick knows that, or at least thinks he could win with Cam Newton. And look, I don't know what that was last year. Maybe COVID just, you're right, COVID got to Cam Newton, it looked like. And there were just many times where I just watched the Patriots. And I was like, bro, like this isn't an NFL receiving core. Like Nikhil, Nikhil Harry, let's face the facts. He's been a bust. Like he needs to be better. Yeah. If, oh. if, if he's not, like let's just upgrade at wide receiver. I mean, Edelman retired. We'll see. He looked done. You know, I don't think that's that big of a loss. But they got Hunter Henry. They got some guys. Let's see what Bill Belichick. That's an Aguilar, yeah. Let's see what they have uh, up to sleep. But let me ask you, like, what's your take on Miami? Do you are are you thinking that they're going to be better, worse than yeah, last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. When I when we did our top three teams, that our top three most improved teams, Miami was my third team. So I do believe that Miami has gotten better. I do believe they will be better than last year, and I won't be surprised too if they if the AFC East get three teams in um in the playoffs. I believe, me personally, outside of the AFC East, maybe the AFC West gives the AFC East a one for their money. But I believe those are the two best divisions. But you also got to take into account, when you look at the NFC, the AFC North, the um, Browns, I, we both picked them right now, for starters, to win a division. But the Ravens, I still think, is going to be able to make the playoffs. Cincinnati, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but they're going to give some teams a run, you know? So... The, the AFC, as we alluded to it, is that better. So is the AFC East going to get three teams in the division? I have yet to see. We'll see. But I do like the I do like the Dolphins. I think Tua is going to have a much better year this year, year two. Remember that hip surgery. People didn't take that into consideration. A hip surgery that, I mean, it affects the way how you run. 
it affects the way how you feel comfortable in that pocket. And now you have another year to get better. So we'll have to see. Before we end this topic, I want to throw two other teams that, like, look, I think Miami would be a, a top, a common pick for a lot of people in the question of who missed last year that's going to make it this year. Um, I'm going to throw two teams from the same division in the NFC that I think could be an answer for each question on both sides. Um, I think that for many people, the question of who made it last year that's going to miss this year, the Saints are going to be a common answer for a lot of people just because Drew Brees retired. But I'll say this, man. I think the Saints could be just as good as they were last year, maybe take a little bit of a step down. I think the Bucks win the division, but I would not be shocked if they're a playoff team whatsoever. Uh, Sean Payton knows offense. And look, Jameis Winston, like, he's not the perfect quarterback, but I think with Sean Payton's coaching, like, and talent around them, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas still there. I think the Saints, for a lot of people, are a forgotten team. They still have plenty of talent on that team. And also, the Carolina Panthers. I think that Sam Darnold put in this position around Christian McCaffrey, around DJ Moore. They're drafting some really, really good guys on that defense. That is a young defense that is getting better and better and better. And look, Sam Darnold is obviously a huge question mark. But I do think with the proper coach, with the proper weapons, maybe Carolina could be successful. I'm not predicting either one of those two teams to win the NFC South by any means. But I think both those two teams could sneak into the playoffs and could take advantage of a weak NFC besides them. Yeah, I mean, I think the Panthers are going to improve. I think if we talk about the most improvement, I would argue the Buccaneers, even though they, they only return the starters that they had on their team, but I still believe year two with Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, they, they are improved. They're going to be improved. I think the second most improved team is going to be the Panthers. I do believe when it comes to the Saints, they will take a minor step back. And when I mean by minor, I mean minor. I don't think it's going to be a big step back like everybody's thinking. I'm, I'm uh, in agreement with you. I think that, as a matter of fact, Jameis Winston does so much more. He opens up the offense in ways Drew Brees couldn't because Drew Brees didn't have that on. He can make all the throws on the football field. So now Sean Payton, a great offensive mind, can use that to Jameis Winston's you know, benefit. And we think about when he was on the Buccaneers, they were 7-9 that year. They almost made the playoffs. And that was with the Buccaneers. At the time, a talented team, but they wasn't um, built as the Saints are right now. The Saints have a great defense to go along with that. The Buccaneers' defense at the time was improving. It wasn't there yet. It was improving. So I think that Jameis Winston, he want to have a revenge tour himself. He want to show the world that, look, I can still ball. I can still play. So I, I won't be surprised if the Saints make the playoffs, just not winning that division, though. Yeah, dude, absolutely. And I think in the NFC, like, we're going to see just how wide open this conference is. Like, Carolina is going to be a team that not many people expect to make the playoffs. I think the Saints are going to be a team that a lot of people are going to pick to make that step back. Uh, but, you know, the NFC, it's a wide open uh, conference. So we'll see what happens. Once again, you are listening to In the Huddle Sports Radio on Can You Dig Sports, the request line 1833-RADIO-BX. Now you're pumped. You got to get ready. 